0: Welcome to Dale Borglum's Healing at the Edge. We are very happy to share with you Dale's profound insight and open heart. Please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com Dale to support this podcast. What I'd like to talk about is Tantra and emotions. Tantra is the stage of spiritual practice that comes after opening the heart. We develop concentration and mindfulness, we become present, we become present enough that the heart begins to open. And when the heart opens enough through devotion and compassion and, and loving kindness, the spacious nature of the heart begins to diminish our fixation on our separateness. And what then becomes revealed is the sacred nature of everything, not only what we conceptualize as God, but all experience. In the Hindu view of Tantra, it's all the Divine Mother. Sometimes she has a wrathful face, sometimes she has a, a tender and supportive face. But for many of us, the, the qualities or the, the content that arises that makes it difficult to remain in this, this uh, state of Tantric awareness, if you will, are difficult emotions. It's even the way we've been talking about our practice so far, I've been saying that, for instance, fear is the enemy of being grounded, and guilt and shame are the enemy of being centered, and grief is the enemy of having an open heart. And it's, it's really easy then to take an implication here that I was not careful enough to avoid, that things like anger, fear, Shame, guilt are bad emotions that we need to fix so that we can get to a more open-hearted, stable place. And certainly to the extent that we are lost in those emotions, they make it difficult, if not impossible, to be resting in spaciousness. But from a tantric viewpoint, all emotion, all experience... Is sacred. All experience is part of the divine unfolding. I was happy to come across a talk by a woman named Carla McLean. Maybe some of you have heard of her. Her first name is Carla with a K. And her last name is McLean. I'm sorry, not McLean, McLaren. Carla McLaren. Her last name is M-C Capital L-A-R-E-N. She's uh, based in Berkeley as is half of the universe, apparently, and right, Maureen? And anyway, <laughs> what she says is what I've been saying, but she says it in, I think, a slightly more accessible Western way. And she, she really has no idea, and she's talking about Tantra. In fact, she says, religions don't believe what I'm saying here, that religions see emotions as, as problematic. Uh, in fact, in Catholicism, there are the seven deadly sins. Five of them are emotions and one is an eating disorder. <laughs> so what, what, what Carla is saying and what I've been saying not quite so clearly is that, that all emotions are helping us to understand what it is that's going on and give meaning to experience. They are here to support us. Emotions are not problems. Emotions are uh, just bodily experiences that are helping us, and that the main difficulty we have is that we've been trained to conceptualize emotions as good or bad, positive or negative, social or antisocial. And what she's saying is that all emotions, anger, Fear, anxiety, depression are not positive or negative. They're healing messages. So that one of the first things, one of the mo- our most basic jobs is to let go of this notion that um, emotions are good or bad. Can we be with emotions just the way they are? And in all of her studies, she's been going to these emotions and trying to figure out their messages. Anxiety helps us to plan for the future. Anger helps us to meet our life situation directly, to set a boundary and then take appropriate action. Anger helps us to see what we value. Sadness tells us we, what we need to let go of. Shame watches out for you and makes sure your behavior is on track. You can't have empathy without shame. Even depression, situational depression, she's not talking about chronic depression here, but situational depression is forcing us to stop. It's pulling energy back. So you can't really do anything. You need to sit still for a while, maybe lie in bed for a while and really look at what's going on. And that's often very hard to do because the human... Impulses to keep moving forward to be getting there. And depression says, no, it's not time to do that. It's time to stop and look. Even in meditation, we've been trained that if we have a negative emotion, we should breathe into us and transmute it into something better. From the, from our healing paradigm, we've even been saying that. And I, I think that we need to look at this a bit more clearly, that from the standpoint of invocation, a negative emotion arises. We become aware of it and we replace it with something positive. From the standpoint of Mahayana Buddhism or compassion practice, when a negative emotion arises, we become aware of it and now we also have compassion for it. We have compassion for the place in us or in someone else that is angry or sad or frightened or depressed. But in Tantra, when a negative emotion, quote, a negative emotion arises, we see that we're perceiving it as negative and we just transmute it into its its analog. It's, its fine just the way it is. Finally, in non-duality, uh we're completely going beyond transmuting or having compassion or awareness but just it's it's all of one taste but this week we're talking about this tantric understanding that all emotions are a sacred message if you will a a direct teaching that we can deal with what's going on now, and the emotion is giving us a, a v- very clear message on how to deal with something. So, Carla says that there are four emotional families. There's the sadness family, the anger family, the fear family, and the happiness family. And of e- each of these, of course, have all kinds of granularity. There are hundreds if not thousands of flavors of sadness, uh, of anger, of, of fear, of happiness. But what we're getting at here is that we can begin to train ourselves to go beyond feeling that when we're having something in the fear, anger, or sadness family, we don't need to transmute it into happiness. And she even uh, said this thing that I thought was quite remarkable that she said she was going through her day one day and she felt that she needed to let go of something. She didn't know quite what it was. So she thought she needed to be sadder. She cultivated some sadness. Now, usually we don't cultivate sadness. We try to get rid of the sadness. We try to be happy, happy, happy. What is America about? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? <laughs> right? It's not life, liberty, and the p- pursuit of tantric understanding. It's We're supposed to be happy. I mean, that's what, that's what Americans are supposed to do, which is partly why we're having such a damn hard time with dealing with the COVID pandemic, because everybody wants to be happy and take your mask off and go and have fun, right? She says then that there are four keys to working with emotions. The first one is to go, the most important one and the one that I've just mentioned is this notion of going beyond negative and positive emotions. They're just all little bits of genius. They're part of cognition, not a separate thing coming to bother you. Seeing emotions as negative or positive leads to grasping. And in psychological research, emotions are valence as positive or negative, as pro-social or antisocial. And we're we're going beyond that typical psychological understanding. Can we really go beyond this notion of here's an antisocial emotion, here's a pro-social emotion, here's a here's a, a positive one, here's a negative one. Now clearly it's easier to get caught in emotions like fear and anger. What we are really implying here is that if we can be present with the emotion, they aren't positive and negative. Any emotion, including happiness, is not necessarily healing if we're lost in it, right? It's, it's being present, it's being mindful of what's going on in the body and mind as we're having an emotion. So, the second key to working with emotions is learning to channel your emotions. We don't repress them. We don't unconsciously express them. We let them be expressed in a conscious way. And I've been even saying all along that when suffering arises or when difficult emotions arise, we can push it away, we can get lost in it, or we can be mindful and compassionate and let the expression come out of that. So certainly at times we have to repress an emotion. I mean, if you're on this, you're driving and somebody cuts you off and you get angry and you feel like driving your car in, into that other person's car, it might be a great idea to temporarily repress that emotion or at least consciously say, okay, it's not appropriate to, to express this particular emotion. Another quality, a key to working with emotions is learn to identify mixed emotions. Very often we're not expressing, we're not experiencing just one emotion at a time. We're experiencing several things at the same time. Like for instance, compassion, if we really look at it, has some combination of true compassion, has a combination of sadness and joy at the same time. Many people in the West have a very difficult time being aware of just one emotion. Think what happens when two emotions are there at the same time, or even a cluster of three or more. And she was saying that now during our pandemic time that she's been noticing two clusters of three emotions that are arising for people. One is fear, anxiety, and panic. Fear is helping us deal with what's going on in in the present Anxiety supports us for dealing with the future and panic is a response to a feeling of physical danger. She said, when these three arise, the first thing you got to deal with is panic for if you can deal with anything else. But if you have a hard time dealing with an emotion and all three of these come, it's very difficult for me, for people not to be overwhelmed. I don't know if you can remember back in the time when COVID first really Became a thing and you were, you were concerned about going to the grocery store. And the first time you went out grocery shopping after you thought you might die from going to the grocery store, what that feeling was like, could you? There was some fear. There was anxiety. There was panic. The other cluster of emotions that she's noticing now during this time of COVID are sadness, situational, dep- situational depression and grief right, that, that many people at times are experiencing this cluster, there's a sadness, there's some depression, there's grief, all at the same time. Can we use the foundation practice that we've been talking about, awareness, mindfulness, compassion, concentration, embodiment, groundedness, centeredness, to create a foundation so we can begin to be with these emotions as they're arising, not getting lost in them. The final key to working with emotions is bring nuance to your understanding of emotions. They can be soft or intense, understanding the, the different levels of intensity. So like the motion of, of say, anger, uh, if it's really soft, if we're just beginning to feel it, there's some irritation. It's much easier to be with that than when irritation goes to frustration, goes to anger, goes to rage, goes to homicidal ideation. Right. So that by the time you get to the second half of that sequence, it's very difficult to be present for it. When we can catch it in a more subtle, less intense presentation, much easier to be present for it. So she's saying that even chronic depression is very protective. Often people with chronic depression were traumatized. She calls chronic depression ingenious stagnation. Uh, Because it stops you when you need to be stopped. It pulls energy away and forces you to stop and slow down and figure out what is happening. Emotions that we have been really conditioned to feel are counterproductive, are things we need to push away, are really messages that will continue to keep coming again and again and again until we begin to get the message and act upon the message if we now go from her presentation and if you're interested in carla mclaren you can just go to youtube she's got a couple of talks there where she summarizes the whole thing she's got a new book called embracing anxiety that i haven't read uh published by sounds true that looks like a wonderful book but if if we go now from carla if it's just tantra in general what we're really doing is exchanging fixations with the content of our experience that caused the suffering to more subtle fixations with what could be called the relative deity, right? In other words, we're stuck in emotions, we're stuck in perceptions, we're stuck in concepts. And instead, we're starting to focus on the sacred nature of things, the spacious nature of things, it's still it's still a fixation. It's still there's an I who's doing this. It's not non-duality yet. It's not wholeness yet. But we're we're going from being caught in stuff and having to have compassion for it to realizing that these things we've been caught in are faces of God. They're all faces of the mother in a certain way. And once again, the mother is not always kind and protective. She is fierce. She is very confrontational at times. So Tantra focuses on direct experience, particularly sensory perception. There's an emphasis on the body. What is really going on right now? What, and emotions, just the very word emotion, moving energy. Emotions are experienced in the body. Can we be with anger in the body? Can we be with sadness? Can we be with fear in the body? Tantra has no fear of pain or intense emotion. The more intense the emotion is, the more potential there is for awakening. So that in a way in tantra, we even seek out situations where we have very intense experience. We're not trying to calm things down and be more meditative and quiet and peaceful. We've done that already. We've learned to train ourselves when we need to, to have equanimity, to have a a quiet mind. Now we're using that foundation to move into the possibility of this direct juicy relationship. With whatever it is that's arising. It's kind of like saying to God, bring it all on. Let's, let's have this very intimate, direct, juicy relationship with experience and reality. Are we relating to our experience from a a sense of poverty, of inadequacy, or this more tantric sense of uh, fullness and romance we're having this juicy romantic relationship with experience that it's it's all the beloved the beloved can only be everything then beyond that can we even begin to as we're working with particularly emotions go beyond just this this obvious here I'm feeling some anxiety here I'm feeling uh, some sadness to used working with the surface at times to plunge below the surface what are the deeper sensations what is the the underlying woundedness that I've been avoiding or conceptualizing or keeping at a workable distance all of my life as a way of not touching the deepest fear can we through this 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 tantric path begin to work with the the more surface emotion and at times use that then to dive into what are our uh, deeper sensations, what's going on way deep underneath the surface. And even being aware of how we're resisting embodying these deeper emotions and sensations. Can we begin to trust Emotions and thoughts, these, these deeper things that we've been, that we've created a personality structure perfectly designed to not feel that. Depending on personality types, some people are anger based types, fear based types, shame based types. In the Enneagram, those are the three main types. Anger based, fear based, shame based, right? The, the point I was trying to make there, is that no matter what type you are, there are certain emotions that it's very easy to get lost in. And if you begin to notice for you that you're an anger type, possibly, and that it's easy to get really lost in anger, then you be a little more alert to what are the triggers for that. Uh, Maybe you're in traffic, or maybe there's a certain person you know, or a certain job situation that comes up again and again where It leads to some slight irritation, to more moderate frustration, to the beginning of anger, to real anger, to rage, to, I don't know, there's probably a whole bunch of other words we could throw in there. Many people in the West have a very limited, paltry, emotional vocabulary. Most people can identify maybe half a dozen emotions. I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm scared, I'm agitated, uh, I'm bored. To the extent we can begin to be more granular, particularly as an emotion is arising, it becomes easier then to break the cycle so that, and it's getting slightly tricky here because the, how can I say this? we're not using mindfulness to try to stop this trajectory from slight irritation to homicidal ideation. We're just trusting that mindfulness itself will gradually dissolve the grasping. If we're trying to mindful things away, that's a defilement of practice, if you will. So, can you learn to trust that I can, be, I can train myself to be mindful of what begins to happen in my body when I'm put in a situation that leads to anger and begin to notice as it's beginning. Maybe you're somebody that is nervous about speaking in public and you have to be giving a verbal presentation. These days it's just Zoom. Paula was talking about how she has these big Zoom Meetings and as she's been practicing these meditations, that it's, it's really changed her relationship with what she would feel as she was getting ready to do the Zoom presentation as it began. Any emotion that you might, you might define or you might notice as the one that's getting you in trouble, just keep your eyes out for it. Can, can you begin to notice the signals in your body where it's just beginning? And, and particularly, looking for times when you think it's likely to happen. Maybe you're somebody who becomes angry, so maybe what you want to do is you turn on the news. When you know the five o'clock news is coming on, they're gonna start talking about politics. Or maybe you go to a conservative website, right, and you you go to Real Clear Politics, you go to the American conservative, or you go to Breitbart News. And you start reading these people saying these things that you completely disagree with. Or maybe you're Republican. You go to a, you go to CNN or you go to Huffington Post or something. It doesn't matter what your politics are. You go someplace where what people are saying really bothers you and you notice what's happening in your body. It's easier when there's just a screen there, not another human being, right? Uh or maybe on the other hand you're a fear-based person and you watch horror movies. You know, you're like the demon is coming, ah! the demon's gonna get you, and you 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 end up uh noticing fear. Fear is for most of us the hardest one. It's underneath all the other stuff in a way. I have a group, I won't mention which one it is, but I have a group that has two older women who are widows and they've been widows for maybe 10 years, and they've been depressed ever since their husbands died. They've had a remarkably unsuccessful time trying to be aware of depression. Depression is, in a way, in my experience as a meditation teacher, probably the most difficult emotion, if it even is an emotion, of which to be aware. Because it's kind of vague, it's more like a fog. Or maybe like a blanket than it is like a, a clear, there's anger, there's fear, there's sadness. Situational depression, chronic depression, two very different things. And I think situational de- depression, I mean, right now, I think it's, it's quite reasonable to be depressed by what's happening to our country, what's happening to the world, what's happening to people of, of color, what's happening to people who are of tenuous economic means there's all kinds of things to be depressed about. It does take that foundation of mindfulness to be able to not project, to what does it feel like in my body? What does it feel like in my mind as I'm having an emotion? Letting go of the projection or getting it before the projection, getting it before uh, focusing on the trigger. Like if it's anger, we tend to, or fear we're almost always fixated on the trigger i'm afraid of that i'm angry about him or her or, or that situation as i said before tantra has a lot to do with direct perception in the body the the body is a microcosm for the whole universe if you will and train ourselves again and again to be with what it feels like to be angry to be depressed to be scared I mean, like even right now, as we're talking, is there some slight anxiety that you want to get this information because it seems really useful and you want to collect it so you can be a better person when the when uh, we're done being together today? And I think for a lot of people, that's true. So is it possible to even trust that we don't have to collect that the information is coming in and that it's, it's this, this discussion is not about something else. It is it. Right now we're working with our anxiety. We're working with our frustration. We're working with our anger in our bodies rather than collecting information so we can do it later. So then, that's the thing I was saying before about diving a bit deeper, the sense that we're collecting something for the future is really based on a sense of inadequacy. That if we do it right now, that it won't just proceed into the future. That it'll just happen naturally, that we're we're embodying it, we're, we're becoming it, if you will. So the, how much can we trust that being together and our mutual support and our mutual love is such that... We don't have to collect anything. We don't have to understand anything. We're connecting with self, with other, with God, the point, the, the horizontal, the vertical. We're, we're, we're connecting in that way so that there is a sense of fullness and wholeness. That's what Tantra is about. It's going beyond any sense of poverty or anxiety that we're not practicing out of any sense of poverty to get somewhere to a better place. There is not a better place. And that's the whole point of emotions aren't positive and negative. Emotions are just emotions. They're just moving energy. Again and again, it's it's about trusting, bringing practice into the moment rather than some global thing that we're going to apply to our lives. And no, it's each moment. I mean, like right now, there's probably – for each person in this room, myself certainly included, there is some subtle background feeling of anxiety, some subtle background feeling of grief, some background feeling of slight frustration. That's kind of the nature of being in the body. I've got this older body and I'm trying to, I've got these earphones on and I'm making recording and I'm trying to pay attention to everybody and be loving at the same time. And all these things are going on. There's like a sort of background sense of anxiety that I'm used to living with. Oh, that's human nature. That's that's who Dale is. And But can I really begin to feel that? Can I let that be a message of, I can settle into the moment at a, at a deeper level. That Thomas Merton quote where he says, love and prayer are learned in the hour when prayer becomes impossible and the heart turns to stone. We think about a quote like that when things are really, really, really difficult. Like right now, do you have a little anxiety, a little grief, a little frustration? Can the heart break open even to that? Can there be a tantric relationship with even that? Can that be the mother? Can that be embraced? Can we go back to that Ram Prasad Sen poem where he talks about devouring the mother? It's all the mother. Are are we being devoured because we're lost, we're grasping, we're caught in experience? Or are we devouring? We're consuming life whole, moment to moment to moment. I just love that image of devouring life, of devouring the mother moment to moment rather than being devoured. When any emotion arises, one can repress it. And we don't only repress positive emotion, I mean, negative emotions. We also repress positive emotions. Being too loving, being too open, being too happy is in a way just as difficult as being too sad or being too angry. We can repress an emotion. We can pull back from it. Or we can just blindly express it. An emotion comes, there is absolutely no filtering, there is no mindfulness between the impulse and the expression. What Buddhism says is that we can consciously express the emotion as is appropriate so that it's taking into account what we're feeling, what the environment is, is it appropriate to be angry? Is it appropriate to be super happy right now? Just as an example, I am often invited to memorial services because I work with dying people. And often when I go to memorial services, I feel really happy and joyful. But I try not to express that too much because <laughs> there are people there who are grieving who knew this recently deceased much better than I did. I only knew them after their body was was almost uninhabitable. So when they died, for me, it was it's just a sense of great release and relief that they were not stuck in that body anymore, whereas the spouse of the person or the child of the person is missing their beloved relative. So I tried to not express my joy at the memorial service too much. The examples I've used in the past were when my brother David, who Lived in Alameda near Oakland, California. He was given his diagnosis of terminal pancreatic cancer by his Kaiser oncologist in an after hours email. He was sent an email saying, You have pancreatic cancer. It's in your blood. There's nothing we can do. We're putting you on palliative care. And he called me up desperately saying, Does this mean I'm dying? The doctor who was having to tell my brother David that there was nothing he could do is a very painful possibility for the doctor. He decided, well, the way to do this is to push away my feelings, just send the email, and then I'm going to go home and have dinner. Example number two, somebody's really codependent. They see somebody else suffering. They say, oh, my God, that must be horrible. Let me help you. I feel this as much as you do. This is really, this is terrible. And they're as much caught up in the suffering as you are. So in, in neither of those cases is somebody clearly channeling an emotion. They're lost in an emotion. They're either pushing it away, repressing it, or they're getting completely lost in it. There is a third possibility, not pushing it away, not getting caught, but opening with mindfulness and compassion. And then eventually going into this tantric stage that we've been talking about today. To get to the point where any emotion leads to joy and openness, is often a very gradual process that takes work quote unquote that yes if so that any emotion is a gateway to what's underneath it, which is the gateway to under what's underneath that which is a gateway and you you keep going in until finally you get to fear and then you get to fear of death and then you get to wholeness right so, Suppose you're feeling a bit irritated and you really pay attention to that irritation in your body. You're not expressing or suppressing or just being with it. Maybe you express it consciously, but your main focus is on what does it feel like now to be irritated? And you'll notice that underneath that is another deeper feeling, that maybe you're irritated because somebody's avoiding you and you're noticing a feeling of abandonment. And you you pay attention to that for a while, maybe over the course of days or weeks even. And underneath that is the feeling of fear that you're always going to be alone. And you pay attention to that. And underneath that is the fear of dying. And underneath that is the fear of wholeness. I find it very difficult to go right from some irritation and traffic to total wholeness. I mean, I'm getting better at that. So that what we're saying here maybe we haven't been saying it clearly enough, there's this practice they call the tantric three-step. It's a dance, you know, there's the country country two-step. Here's the tantric three-step. The first step is, can I be aware of what I'm feeling? I'm not lost in the emotion, I'm not suppressing it, I'm not getting caught in it, I'm aware of it, I'm mindful of the feeling, I'm letting go of the concept, I'm letting go of the trigger, I'm letting go of the story, I'm just nakedly directly with that feeling. And right there, that's the hard thing to do for a lot of people. And particularly, we learn to be with an emotion physically, embody it. And then the next step is, can we have compassion? Can we not just be aware of it, but can we have loving awareness? Can we open our heart to the place where I've been having this emotion? So those are the first two steps of the tantric three step. And then the third step is, okay, even this is sacred. It's not positive or negative. It's just the face of the beloved. Now, sometimes if the emotion is not too particularly sticky, I can do that whole thing in just a second. I go right from the emotion to, it just takes me right into complete openness. But a lot of times there's a process depending on how stuck I am in that particular emotion. In all of my spiritual seeking, I can say that there are only maybe a dozen people I've met who aren't stuck in emotions, who are completely free. We really have to admit where we are. We have to have compassion that we're still caught. We'll do a meditation where we'll play with this possibility of having an emotion and using that as the entree to going directly into wholeness, or at least into the tantric state, maybe not quite wholeness, but where you're seeing that as the beloved, as the face of the beloved, that what, whatever, whatever emotion arises, it's a pure expression of your being. It's not a problem. It's not, it's not something God has sent to punish you some of these more modern Christians say that sin is missing the mark. It's not that you're bad, it's missing the mark. It's missing the fact that it is all whole already. I'm reading a book now called The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, where he's very clearly distinguishing between Jesus and Christ and how Christ is, in a way, light, is all humanity, that Christ was there at the moment of creation, and then this guy Jesus came along to embody that and be a teacher. There's a great confusion in the Christian church between this personal Christ, and when when he's saying that if if you have this personal Savior, you're really only getting a very small part of the teaching, because that excludes all these people who don't have this personal teacher, that that Christ is in everything, in everybody, it's just there all the time. It's consciousness, it's, it's true nature. Begin, please, by invoking that which does not change nor die was never born. Receiving the blessing inherent in each moment so that your body-mind can more and more trust. We don't need to practice from a sense of poverty or inadequacy, but fullness. Practice becoming more and more a sense of surrender into that which is, rather than an attempt to create or change or fix or understand becoming more and more embodied, grounded and centered, inhabiting the lower part of the body, mountain-like stability. not only being with thoughts and breath and fleeting sensation in the body, but are there emotions that are coloring our moment-to-moment experience? Can you be aware at times of the underlying emotional states? without having to categorize it as positive or negative, being with it very intimately in your body, without having to connect it with any trigger or project it onto Another being or experience. Whatever arising thought, sensation, emotion is the perfect healing message for this next step on the path to realizing our inherent wholeness. And then even extending our relationship to a heartfelt one not just a clear awareness of experience and particularly emotion, but a loving relationship, spacious relationship, a connected relationship. Letting the brokenness of the heart meet the arising no matter what the content. So the heart becomes more and more Spacious, we become aware of its boundless nature, its connected nature, through our relationship with experience, with emotion, each experience arising in the vast merciful sky of heart, and then passing away, And as our eye fixation fades in the vastness of our open heart, the inherently sacred nature of each arising is more and more revealed beyond good and bad, positive and negative. receiving experience unfiltered, receiving the blessing, the grace that is the nature of experience, becoming more interested with the nature of experience than with its content The presence, the fullness, the aliveness that is the nature of each arising. being with the yearning, but not formulating it. How alive are you willing to be? How deeply are you willing to be touched? Dying into love, each out the last, each in-breath the first. As you breathe out, let your energy expand in all directions infinitely. Coming back to your heart with the next in-breath And then letting go in all directions. Dedicating the merit of our practice with the wish that all beings might find the intrinsically pure nature of their hearts and be able to rest there, that all beings might be free from suffering. That we ourselves might become forces for compassion, and healing as we move through our lives.